to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Welcome at another edition of FEPS Talks. I'm Justin Ogrede, the Digital Policy Advisor here at FEPS. And I'm psyched because today we have with us Fabrizio Barca, the former Minister for Territorial Cohesion in Italy, and now the coordinator and head of the think tank, the Forum on Inequalities and Diversity. Very nice to be here. It's a very good opportunity to be with you. Thanks a lot. Um, before we start, could you perhaps explain a little bit uh, about the think tank um, that, you, uh, that you founded and why you thought it was so important uh, to bring civil society uh, to the fore on the debate about inequality? It's a sort of uh, a think and do, even more than a think tank. Uh, the idea is to put together the saperi, the thinking, the ideas of uh, the research and the organization of civil society, but also the capacity to do things of the research. Sometimes it is not much, but sometimes there is a lot. And the capacity to do things, to change the world of the civic society. Uh, the reason is that there is a vacuum these days. There has been a vacuum uh, uh, of, of, of uh, politics and culture coming together. Uh, there is a vacuum everywhere in the West. Uh, we felt there was a vacuum in, uh, in, uh, in Italy to be filled. Uh, there is an, an amount of experiences and knowledge uh, in how to address social injustice and how to reduce inequalities in all areas of human life that has been growing into civic society organizations. Uh, that is somehow changing the life of people, but is not having a systemic effect. It is not turning to politi- policy and politics. So mm-hmm. the idea is, uh, the, the, the reason why these organizations spend some of their time uh, in working together is uh, to have a systemic effect, to have a political effect. And we suddenly felt that there was a lot uh, uh, to achieve by, by, by doing so. I think that's... For me, it also has a lot to do with, uh, with technological change. That's what we work on a lot at FEPS. And for me, what I feel is that there's a lot of talk of the digital transition and creating a better future for everyone and that technology can help us do that. Um, and I'm always surprised because when I look around me, I don't see it happening. You know, like for all the things that matter to me, so I don't know, housing, housing, uh, you know, mobility, uh, the climate, you know, nature around us, democracy... I feel we're going backwards. And I'm not even speaking about the huge inequalities, which is, of course, why, why you also created the forum. Um, so I feel that uh, somehow technology is a key part of this discussion. And I also think that you at the forum, you came up with 15 recommendations. And a lot of them also talk about uh, focus on digital uh, technology and that we should somehow harness that for the common good. Could you talk a little bit about that? Like what, yeah, we, we, I mean, our starting point was uh, the uh, enormous uh, d- diffusion and, and, and seriousness of inequalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we started by asking ourselves uh, a year discussion without you know, doing anything outside. It's uh, what kind of inequalities? Uh, inequalities of economic inequalities, uh, of wealth, of course, uh, the enormous gap between good jobs and bad jobs, okay, precariousness in jobs, okay, but also social inequalities, accessibility and quality to education, accessibility and quality to health, to mobility, the services that you mentioned before that seem to be 
uh, affected by technology, but only for some, yeah. uh, not for all and not for many. Uh, and also another kind of inequality that is very important for the philosophy, uh, the German uh, philosophy, which is the inequality of recognition. Uh, some, you might not be discriminated economically, you might not have troubles in accessing self, but maybe you are working in a company or maybe you are a, 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 a citizen living in an inner area, rural area, uh, where, uh, and you're being ignored. You feel that authorities uh, uh, and uh, the leading class and the parties, even parties on the left, have not been taking you into account. You're not part of the public discourse. So you, your values, your identity are not being recognized. Mm -hmm. And these three inequalities are behind the authoritarian dynamic. I use current centered a theory of Authoritarian Dynamic is an amazing book which I suggest to whoever is listening to us to read. It was written in 2005 in the US and it, it was forecasting this wave of Authoritarian Dynamic coming. People that suddenly are not being recognized, people that feel that there is inequality are getting angry and resented towards the, uh, the leading class, towards the experts, towards the authority. And since they're not being given uh, uh, the objective of a new society, then they, f they end up becoming sometimes ha hating. Uh, hating people who are even worse than them or, or pretending or, or falling into the trap of believing that the cause of their inequality is migrants uh, and not the fact that the wrong policies have been, have been enacted. Now, you mentioned technology before. Technology, mm -hmm. it, it, it's a paradox. It's a big paradox of these days because information technology potentially has an enormous potential for uh, 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 filling the gaps, filling the gaps between classes, filling the gaps between people in rural areas and in areas they can interact, uh, creating mutualism, new kind of mutualism like you know enterprises on the on the web, or uh, improving the quality of health, or, or allowing us to have exactly what we want, uh, the product that we want in in a short amount of time. Fine, but. This is not working for all. Uh, in the, technology is more and more used, in fact, not to improve social justice, but to uh, increase social injustice. I mean, it is being used to discriminate in the selection of jobs. Yes, of course. Yes, of course. By using an algorithm in order to select somebody, you are avoiding the subjective discrimination of somebody interviewing a woman or a black guy or somebody that is not from your ethnic groups. Right. But if you are selecting people on the basis of the performance of the groups in the past, you, are, you end up in reproducing discrimination for the future. Or even worse, if you're using uh, information, personal data, in order to decide what Fabrizio Barca's uh, insurance premium is, and if my, the data suggests that Fabrizio Barca has a higher chance mm -hmm. to develop a disease, I'm going to be charged a higher insurance premium for my health. And we are killing the solidaristic aspect of insuring that, that we created 70 years ago. So there are so many applications of our technology, not, not just of these new technologies that are producing social injustice. Everybody knows about fake news and the risk that we fall into the trap of the wrong news. This is obvious. But there are so many other in every as uh, wrong uses of this social injustice. Now, so what the forum does in the 15 proposals that you suggest, that I hope I'll have a chance to go through some of them, mm -hmm. what is proposing is not being against technologies, but you know, let's 
let's uh, take the technology and put the technology to the good use through the tools that we do have mm -hmm. by, uh, by having in mind very clearly good use and bad use and, and regaining a control of technologies mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and giving uh, and, re and, and rebalancing power which is one of the issues that I think in a, in, a few, in a few seconds we'll be discussing. Yeah, no, exactly, because I feel, and that's maybe uh, a bit far left or, well, classic social democratic, is that I feel that like, we don't see that change, so we, we seem unable to harness eh, all this technological change for the social good, because actually it's very controlled. Eh? The knowledge, the economic uh, means of production, let's say, uh, the data, it's controlled uh, you know, in, in the hands of a very small group of people, in essence. And if that's the case, it's just, it seems to me very unlikely that this will lead to you know, social benefits on a broad scale. And somehow I feel we can do it. We should be able to somehow democratize innovation, which I think is a, is a positive story and, and it's not being told. But how to do that is very difficult. And I feel that I come from the commission, it's, it's often quite technocratic, which I think is also a problem. It's not, we have these technologies, uh, we just implement them, it's efficient, and somehow the effects will trickle down. This reminds me a lot of the economic debate of, uh, you know, decades ago, and still in a way is here, you know, this trickle-down economics. And when I look at the digital transition, I see a lot of overlap, actually, between neoclassical thinking. Uh, yeah, so you have individuals, Absolutely. methodological individualism, and somehow there's always a balance, and in the end it will all work out. And it's the same with people that, that make the technologies that govern our online lives. It's about individuals, binary choices. It's about optimizing efficiency and in the end it will work, but it doesn't. And that's why I'm really interested that you're here because you kind of seem to have built a coalition of civil society actors to come up with something different. Yeah, the, the point is exactly as you said, I mean, democracy and capitalism, uh, I mean, capitalism goes where you push it to go. Capitalism is an enormous elastic uh, uh, way of production. If you don't do anything, if you don't put values into the game, it will not have values. It will maximize the power of the managers or the profit. It depends, okay? Mm -hmm. It depends on, on the nature of firms. And there is nothing wrong or right. It's a fact uh, that what capitalism does is the following. So w w if you want to have values, if you want to put values, if you want to avoid a concentration of control, mm -hmm. then you have to do something about it. You have to intervene. And that we have not done that for the last 30 years because we have given up on the capacity of the state to do it. So what we, I mean, let, let me go to two or three things that would rebalance, rebalance power. Let me start from, I mentioned paradox before, but probably I never said exactly what the paradox was. Mm -hmm. The paradox was that technology, the information technology has an enormous power to distribute knowledge and in fact is ending up concentrating knowledge. Let's see one of the ways it does so and that a way that we could correct very, very clearly. Europe, Europe, Europe European Union has yeah. 1,000 uh, uh, research infrastructure. They are public. They are amazing infrastructure. They are owned by, the, by different states. Uh, they do an amazing job. They have big budgets. And they, code, they make a big jobs in coordinating research because they have enormous amount of equipment, of uh, material and material capital at the disposal of the scientists. Fine. Mm -hmm. They produce open science. Me and you could access it. Everybody who is listening to us now could access this knowledge. But in order to access the knowledge, as we know, you need to be knowledgeable. So who can access the amazing amount of DNA knowledge, knowledge on digital economy, knowledge of renewable energy, you name it? Mm -hmm. Who can access it? 
Only private corporations that have themselves already invested themselves in enormous amount of research. So imagine that we have a pool of knowledge, like in a forest, we are in a jungle, mm -hmm. but there are only eight uh, uh, or seven uh, uh, big elephants that have uh, capacity to take the knowledge. What do they do? Do they take this open knowledge that has been produced with our taxes? They produce uh, therapies, uh, medicines, mm -hmm. or uh, apps on the web, or you name it, and they sell it to us for a price that is a monopoly price. Why is it a monopoly price? Because there are very few companies that do it. Uh, today in the world, there are seven big corporations that have substituted the seven big uh, giants in oil that are seven big digital giants. Fine. So we end up paying twice the same product. Once we paid it as a taxpayer, second we paid on the market at the monopoly price, and we, we paid a third time by offering our personal data, which they use in order to produce the product, and that is free. So we paid three times. Now, what can you do in Europe? A very simple thing. You need to, give, you need to have yeah. uh, three big public companies at European level in the digital economy, in health, and the, uh, the production of renewable energy, the transition, mm -hmm. that are hub, technological hub uh, where there's also private capital coming into the game that have a mission. The mission is that they produce it in the interest of everybody. They are on the market. What we suggest is they are they operate in the market. We do have public companies everywhere in Europe, but we don't have big European public companies. And they would be on the market. They would make a reasonable profit, not a monopoly profit, and they would operate in the interest of everybody. What would what would be a difference? Well, take medicine or therapies. They would not charge overcharge therapies and medicine, putting even national health system off the job that now cannot pay. Uh, for everybody's accessing the same therapies, they produce them at the, at, the, at, the, at the price that produce a reasonable profit. And you know what is a reasonable profit for a medicine? It's very small because you don't, once you have the invention, you do not, it, the marginal cost of producing uh, uh, an N plus one medicine is very small. Mm -hmm. So this is one of our proposals uh, that, that, that we make. I, I can go through a couple of other examples if you want. Yeah, no, I think, I think that was already extremely uh, relevant. And I've also been involved in corporate law, intellectual property rights at European level. And I think that's a big part of the discussion. We just seem to be able to, ex we only extend them in a way, which create rents, uh, you know, copyrights, you know, 50 to 70 years after the death of an author, you still have the rights. So it's essentially almost like an inheritance uh, gift to whoever has those rights. Uh, then it's preventing, by the way, small firms to come into the game. Yeah, so I think that you know this was also a lost opportunity for us last year when we exactly. had a copyright debate. Um, so I hope we can look into the next five years. Uh, but yeah, let's 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 go to some of the other proposals uh, from the fifteen uh, linked to technology. Well, another one that is very important uh, that we're always talking about the fact that it is difficult to represent labor. Labor today is fragmented. It's fragmented in the territory. Fragmented between uh, the, there is a stable labor in big corporation, then there is a precarious uh, uh, and bad jobs, a sort of gig economy and whatever. This is the first kind of conflict. It's a conflict between two different kinds of labor where and the union seems to be able to protect only one and not the other. That's one of the problems that is causing uh, uh, inequalities everywhere and anger. Yeah. Another one is a conflict. A conflict. Let's face it. Um, Italy. I come from Italy. Can't, uh, everybody knows about Taranto in the south of Italy when there is a big conflict at the moment between yes. the interests of health mm -hmm. of people being affected by the pollution and the and the clouds and the dust uh, 
coming out of the uh, of the production of steel, and then there is a, an issue of Italy needing that and labor. Okay, but why 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 do we have these two conflicts within labor and between labor and between social justice and environmental justice? We have it because at the time when big decisions of companies are taken, where the strategies are decided of a company of a company. Mm-hmm. Those two aspects are not taken into account. So we suggest uh, the creation uh, uh, of a council of labor and citizens uh, on the shape of something that is already being used in Europe, in Holland, in other countries, mm-hmm. where there is a labor council. But we suggest to go one step further. Uh, a, uh, to make sure that in this council, not only the labor of the big corporation, the stable labor is represented, but also all the labor of the filière even the autonomous, even the precarious labor of the, of the small people that produce for uh, the big corporation, outside the corporation, the outsourced people that generally are not represented. And secondly, we suggest, uh, we recommend that also the citizens can elect into this council their representative, protecting the citizens as consumers, mm-hmm. and the citizens are living in an area that has the environmental impact. Now, our claim is that if they were doing that and if they were given the information and the power to interact with the, with, the, uh, with the board of a company, then their point of view, united and technically supported by analysis and study, would have a weight into the decision of the corporation. And we, have, we would have a strategic participatory mechanism mm-hmm. in which to do. This is, we suggest, for Italy, but we feel that in other countries... Uh, of Europe would also be a very important thing to experiment, not to yeah. to jump to. And this would be a worker council at at a firm level. Correct. Okay. A firm think, level, yeah. or for a territorial districts, at the level of a of a whole district. Okay. Now I think that indeed there has been some studies done that that show that also uh, workers they're more likely uh, to accept uh, the implementation of new technologies if they have a say. And that also is more likely than to make sure that the technology is complementary to the skills instead of just automating them, uh, leaving them all jobless. And I think that um, this is not my area, so I have to be careful. Uh, but there were discussions, now, like the fifth workers' rights director for something at EU level at some point to, to try to build those workers' councils, uh, scale them up from, I think, Germany, where that's already implemented to some extent, and do that Europe-wide. But somehow that, that faltered. Uh, but I think this is very important, no? also because... A lot of processes we talk about, you know, technology, uh, you know, globalization uh, and things about inequality. It's also about the scale. I feel like the scale is so big, whereas like the solutions and the problems are local. So we need to somehow give power back yeah. Absolutely. at the local Absolutely. level. And I think here you have also a lot of expertise. So maybe you can come in on that Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Great. This is opening up uh, if we do have some more time uh, to, to, to go into a third area of, uh, of, um, yeah. that we think is very important. That is actually an area where the European Union has done a lot, which is what we call the place-based approach. Uh, Europe has done a lot because the European Commission uh, since uh, has revived back into the 2008, uh, thanks to commissioners at the time and after, uh, what was the idea of Jacques Delors, which is still there, which is a, a very alive idea, which is very simple. Uh, which we've forgotten for, uh, for a long time, which is the design of services 
of schools, of health services, of mobility, of communication, the design even of the use of the land for agricultural people in inner areas or the particular problems of people in peripheries, which are the two areas of Europe where people are suffering, mm -hmm. and whether it's anger, whether it's a concentration of anger, you cannot address them by plunging onto their heads uh, uh, a same format, one size fits all of the service, the same kind of school, the same kind of health that you have designed for towns or for the center of towns. Uh, as 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 a as as member of the middle class uh, that is actually running the administration, so we feel that we should move to towards a, a system in which uh, the the principles of uh, uh, of the schools of the health service should obviously be decided at national level and more and more possibly a European level, since we all are both national citizens and European citizens. That should always should be more and more the case. But mm -hmm. that once the principles are decided, then uh, people at a local level uh, uh, should be entrusted with the capacity to debate and design what kind of schools we actually need, what are our problems. And this is happening. I'm not talking about something that's not happening. It's happening in, in Holland, mm -hmm. uh, it's happening in Germany, it's happening in UK, and it's happening in my country, Italy, in all the rural areas of, of my country, mm -hmm. which we prefer to call inner areas. Why inner? Because they are, they, are, they are far away from services. They are far away from the urban areas where the good services are. Mm -hmm. and, and Europe has already moved into this direction. The European, uh, the European Parliament has already decided that 5% of all the resources of the next uh, cohesion policy 2021-27 will be destined to inner areas and to a method which is uh, building strategies. And what happens is when you build strategies, in that this, this is often a dream, eh? in Europe, uh, or just a chat, which is participatory mechanism, a democratization becomes true. Because the democratization at the level of three million people, let's be frank between me and you, there is not much to be done. There could be vote, there could be participation on the web, fine. But at the level of a quarter of a periphery, at the level of uh, 50,000 people in an inner area of Finland or of the north of Italy or the south of Spain, you can actually have 50,000 people being uh, uh, participation, 500 of them highly participating, students, teachers, uh, 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 patients, discussing and shaping the service. Now, that would change the relation between citizens and experts. Many citizens these days hate experts because they feel the experts are working for, yeah. the, for, for the others, okay? They yeah. are in the town. No, the experts are coming down to me. I can discuss with them and I, they, I need to trust them because they know the, you know, the techniques, okay? Yeah. But they need to trust me because I tell you what my needs are and even I tell you some ideas that I had. And I've done in my life, and that's why I'm speaking passionately about it. I've yeah. been in those areas. I've traveled through Italy 50,000 kilometers with a group of people and experts. And mm -hmm. I've seen that people open up and they trust you. And they suddenly say, oh, meaning you actually listen to us. Yes, we are listening to you. But you listen to us because the solution you suggested is honestly wrong. So mm -hmm. it's not, do you see what I mean? It's yeah. not that people know what to do, but they People's knowledge is part of the solution, and this kind of methodology, place-based approach in peripheries and inner areas can actually bring together the knowledge of competent centers and the knowledge of the people. And I think it would be crucial, but um, I get really enthusiastic when you talk about this because I think this is the problem. You know, I worked in the second gen of the commission, and you always you come up with laws, 
and you have no clue who will be affected or to actually, you know, uh, make them part of the process. You know, we have stakeholder consultations. There's 550 people responding from lobbies. Absolutely. And there's no way to check how, that, how that falls on the people. But is this happening? Because I, what I understood is that you say that this is already happening. Yeah. Um, and a huge uh, job for us, I see, is to kind of help that scale up. You know, we, we were both in Turin at the Decode project. You see how things can be done, can yes. be changed. I see it in Barcelona, I see it in Amsterdam. How can we how can we scale that? How can we make sure that you know it's not just certain cities, but that we do that all all across? So you're saying that the I don't know the regional funds, structural funds are already being used to do that, or partly being used to do that. I mean, the big mission is to do more of that. I mean, those cohesion this, those cohesion funds can even be used wrongly. Let's look at each other's and be frank. They use wrongly when they end up in subsidies. Uh, subsidies are whether they're for training or building a useless infrastructure or having some firms which are really not to be saved to survive another five years. These are bad use of those money and people know it. Mm -hmm. They survive five years more, but you're killing them. Uh, but the same, at the same time, uh, we, you can use it in the, in the way we said before, to allow people to design their own destiny and future. Now, more and more of these good use should be done. And the way to do it is through... Uh, I, I still believe a lot in, in the European Parliament. Uh, I've seen too much of the European Parliament discussing small things and not discussing big things. Uh, it would be fantastic if the European Parliament could. Um, well, first of all, it's about the European Commission sort of designing, and it is sort of doing it. It is put, sort of put-in-place-based approach more at the centre. Okay. But once it has done it, it, up, it is up to the European Parliament to ask people from countries coming along and saying, are you doing the right way or, or the wrong way? Are you, meet, are you truly doing a participatory approach? How have you decided how to spend this money? Uh, not just thinking procedures, as exactly you said. I mean, you had meetings. Okay, meetings. I mean, I want to see, I want to be sure that the strategy, I want to send uh, analysis, I want more evaluation. But again, evaluation about whether the, the process was truly participatory. I, I think I see a room for the European Parliament to be more active and putting pressure on what, uh, uh, what is happening in, in the States. And this is happening now, 2019, 2020, okay. when, uh, when there is more awareness that unless we do that, or people detachment from authorities make uh, people not liking, uh, even the people who give the money, say, oh, the European Union is giving a lot of money to the south of Italy. Why is they so angry with the European Union? Because they don't feel that they have been empowered. Yes. Empowerment, empowerment, empowerment. No, oh, and I feel the regional imbalances uh, with this convergence is not, we don't see it. No. It's not happening. No, no. So I think it stopped. We it failed. stopped. We, we, failed. we know we stopped 20 yeah. years, 25 years ago. It stopped. But then one, one, one key question for me is like how to do this? Because, for example, the parliaments, eh, they're important. And I feel, you know, they can have an important role in this. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, they're quite small. The staff is quite small. Sure. So how, how can we make that link with civil society? Well, the link, uh, in my view, is to remember that the link with the civic society is a national level. So I always suggested, for example, to European Commission, this is a suggestion to the European Commission more than to the European Parliament, yeah. to have more people on the ground. I personally suggested in my proposal to Danuta uh, and to Johannes Hahn, who has been a commission for which I've been advisor, uh, uh, who's still a me member of the commission, uh, so I speak it to him as well. Yeah. I mean, do, do increase the number of people you have in countries. I always said 500 people, no more, 500 people more to DG Regio and DG Employment, delivered on the job, 
you don't like what Sicily is doing in my in my so I speak badly about my country so I can do it. Uh, you don't like what the way Sicily is spending the money. Fine, there there is no point in 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 writing sort of bad notes to Sicily. You but if you do have invest five people, five human resources in Sicily, working with them, they will help them in the direction you're talking. So what should Europe do? More monitoring by the European Parliament and more people. Five hundred. Uh, people on the field, permanently mm. on the field, in all the in member states, me ensure that this participatory mechanism that we discussed is actually being enacted. Okay, so more decentralized model, Correct. more people on the ground. Yes. So being read, being there instead yes. of coming from. Okay. Absolutely. That's very clear. That's very clear. Um, we already are uh, quite far ahead in, uh, in in our chat. This was extremely interesting. Uh, just one one final question that I have is. What book would you recommend? What has influenced your thinking uh, recently? Well, uh, a few years ago, I broke my leg, uh, and that was a terrible thing. But then I, it turned out to be fantastic because it gave me the time. I had two weeks and a half at home doing nothing, and I finally put myself to read *A Theory of Justice* of Amartya Sen. It's not just a, it's a philosophical book. It's beautiful. It's nicely written. It's yeah. it's a view from outside because from an Indian and uh, international person. But I tell you. It gives tools. It's not just the philosophy; it's philosophy applied. It's how you deliver justice. So much I've 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 used in my daily, concrete, operational life that I've learned that year that I broke my leg. Okay, to all listeners, uh, let's read Amartya Sen. I read I read Identity from him, and this was Justice, a theory on justice, a, th- a, a theory of justice, a theory of justice. All right, thanks a lot, Fabrizio, and uh, we hope to to see you soon and welcome you maybe in the future again for a talk on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag #FebsTalks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned.